Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David, yes. how you doing? Well, I'm tired. Guten Tag. Ah, danke. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it uh, should be Guten Morgen because I'm still on Berlin time mm-hmm. where it is currently four o'clock in the morning. Uh, um, so I, uh, I'm a little sluggish today. Uh, that's why. But yeah, I just got back from uh, a week and a half in or I guess a little under a week in Berlin and then a couple of days in Prague. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was delightful. I mean, I don't even know. Delightful may not be the right word because, um, you know, we did a lot of tours and history type stuff. Um, mostly, you know, it's funny. Germany's a, is a, in some ways a very old country and in some ways a country that's less than 30 years old. Right. Um, Berlin particularly, uh, because it was essentially flattened in mm. World War II by bombs is almost all new stuff, except every once in a while there's like, oh, that church is from 1250. Right, right. Yeah. Like, um, uh, but yeah, so we did a lot of like this history stuff, almost entirely 20th century history. Mm. It was basically just the third Reich and the DDR was like what we were. Yeah. Uh, so it's, yeah, when I say it was a, a blast, we did have a really fun time, but we spent a lot of our days sad. We, you know, we went to, went to a concentration camp, which is not, uh, not fun. Um, uh, but I'm really glad we, uh, we did that. Um, uh, but we also did go to the, uh, Deutsches Kinematek museum. Okay. Um, which I guess there's a bigger film museum in Potsdam, which is like, I guess kind of outside of Berlin, but mm-hmm. we went to the, uh, Kinematek museum in Berlin. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's just the, you know, history of German cinema, which is a, a, a varied, uh, and rich history, even though the, the museum is essentially like two floors and like almost half, like maybe half of the second floor it just becomes the marlena dietrich museum they clearly they clearly are very proud of marlena yeah. dietrich and that, that was like uh it was like oh yeah like a full quarter of the museum is marlena dietrich stuff mm-hmm. um uh no real complaint it, and the rest great. of it max shrek uh, <laughs> no there's um but it's funny like uh because it, it goes chronologically so my wife pointed out when we're, we're, the uh they're talking about the like Arnold Frank uh, silent films starring Lenny Riefenstahl. My wife was like, "It's weird. There's all these all this Lenny Riefenstahl stuff here, and no reference of her being a propagandist." And then you get oh, later, yeah, yeah. and it's like, "Oh, there it is." Uh, even though it doesn't, um, I think I feel like I don't know if it's Germany as a whole and Berlin in particular is really good at handling its sort of Nazi history with a deft hand mm. and not like. Not try, like clearly not burying it, but also not sensationalizing it. Or also, right. I think they're very cautious about putting up anything that could be seen as a monument that someone could take out of context. Right. You know, uh, like there was a there was a part at, in the museum at the concentration camp that that where they had a lot of uh, anti-Jewish propaganda from the 1930s, and sure. you're not allowed to take pictures in that part of the museum. Interesting, because, because they don't want you know. I might take a picture and put it on my Instagram. I was like, look how awful this is. But then some neo-Nazi just takes the picture and right. uh, says the opposite. Um, so, yeah, it's really, uh, really careful about that. Um, 
uh, we talked, I think, off mic with um, with Mike, Mike Siegel, mm-hmm. uh, and he told me, which I, uh, uh, he was absolutely right, that Hitler's bunker, there's nothing there to commemorate it. It's a yeah. dirt parking lot that you would never know. It's next to an East German like public housing building yeah. in uh, uh, sort of near the Brandenburg Gate. Um, you, you wouldn't know that it's there unless you had a tour guide saying, guess where we're standing right now. It's such a fine line to walk because uh-huh. on one hand it is history and it is important history. Um, and yeah, like Hitler and Stalin, there are a lot there. History has a lot of monsters. Um, yeah, but they are uh, for horrible reasons they are a vital part of history and so you're not sure how much to yeah acknowledge it with that because there's always the possibility that someone would be like hell yeah right and you're like no yeah. no 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 that's yeah. not why we're doing this um but yeah that's interesting yeah um but uh it was really great i wish the 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 one time i wanted to be like super touristy the kinematech like has a gift shop but it's like just books in movies, it's not like I want to like a T-shirt or a coffee mug with the Kinematech <laughs> right. logo on it to say I've been there. But um, actually, I don't need a coffee mug. I have. Uh, I don't think I will for as long as I live, unless God forbid, there's some sort of earthquake or fire where things get destroyed. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever need another coffee mug or another tote bag. I have so many right. coffee mugs and so many tote bags. Uh, I think I'm good. Um, yeah, I have a number of coffee mugs, and I don't drink coffee at home. Huh. So. Uh, unless it's, it's got, actually, unless it's got the Riddler on it, I don't need one. Now that I say that, I don't, I don't, don't have enough travel mugs. I could use another travel mug. All right. If anyone's looking to buy me a Christmas present, um, not really. Um, uh, what else? Was we there? do have a PO box. So yeah, I had a and Christmas is coming. <laughs> true. Christmas is right around the corner. Um, I forgot how much you like saying that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I had a great time, learned uh, a lot of history, and also got to walk around a lot of cool neighborhoods, um, ate some German food. There's also a lot of like Middle Eastern food in Germany. I ate like, a lot hmm. of shawarma um, in, in Berlin. Uh, I did eat pork knuckle, which is, um, it's just like, it's, it's it tastes just like corned beef. Hmm. So it was like served with potatoes. I was like, this could be an Irish pub or whatever um but food wise so i said we went to prague prague i could go back to prague and spend another week and a half there mm-hmm. have you been to prague mm-hmm. it's because it unlike gorgeous yeah that's the thing unlike berlin prague was relatively unscathed by world war ii in terms of bombing at least mm-hmm. there, you know there was uh plenty going on there and plenty going on during um during the uh soviet years but in terms of its architecture, like everything is like Baroque and beautiful. And it's just like everywhere. It's like, it's not like, Oh, there's a few buildings. It's everywhere you turn. And it's like that, that liquor store is (laughs) on the first floor of a, you know, building that was made built in 1740 or whatever. Uh, uh, it's, it's beautiful, but Czech food is awesome. Okay. Cause Czech food, at least what I ate is essentially bar food. It's all, sausages and potatoes and fried meats and hearty stews. <laughs> That's like all it is. It's so good. That sounds good to me. Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I had a, I had a great time. Um, still very tired and I'm sure there's plenty of fun stuff I did that I'm 
leaving out. Uh, but yeah, no listeners contacted me to say, let's hang out. I really pushed last week for them to call you uh, <laughs> or uh, uh, email you. Yeah. Well, I guess the, maybe we don't have any listeners in Germany. That seems, Hey, you, <laughs> yeah, you guten tag. Uh, that's my nickname for them now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let us know if you live in Germany and, uh, you know, you missed your chance to meet one David Vax, your podcasting hero. <laughs> so yeah, that, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's what I did, uh, with my summer vacation. All right. So, uh, what do you, what do you have to say for yourself? This episode is brought to you. <laughs> I don't even want to transition. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $8.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. So, you only have a few days left to check out Horrific October. That's what they're calling it. Uh, Featuring some of the most eclectic and influential horror movies ever made. Right now, you can watch David Cronenberg's Shivers, George Romero's Season of the Witch, and by the time this airs, uh, Ben Wheatley's Kill List, which uh, I have seen. I've not seen Season of the Witch. I have seen Shivers, and I have seen Kill List. Um, And I can... Shivers is is fine. It's very Cronenbergian uh, with everything that that means. Um, but I do adore Kill List. I think it's a really marvelous film. Um, but anyway, so there is a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for a month. Just go to Mubi.com. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash Battleship to redeem now. Or click on the ad at BattleshipPretension.com. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by Dice Enthusiasts. Hang on. I want to make sure I got this right. The Dice Enthusiasts Presents podcast, which is an offshoot of the regular Dice Enthusiasts podcast. All right. Now, uh, this new series is based around a board game that four roommates played for the entirety of 2017. During that year, they were faced with problems like drug dealers moving in with them, mental breakdowns, infidelity, and a suicide attempt. A surprisingly personal podcast, Dice Enthusiast Presents, is a prime example of life happening while you're making other plans or trying to play a game. Now, uh, the episode that goes up on October 29th is... The, the episode itself is modeled after 70s thrillers and involves a drug dealer moving in with our hosts. You might think it'd be easy to kick out a drug dealer, uh, unless, of course, it's your manager's son. Okay, so that's... The, I have not listened to this podcast yet. It's very rare for me to actually hear about a podcast and think, I want to listen to that. Yeah. Uh, this one sounds so crazy and funny and complex and uh very personal uh i'm really excited to see it so um you can go to diceenthusiast.com or you can click on the ad at battleshippretension.com to listen to this uh great new show uh and i want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors they look great they sound great and tyler and i use them each and every day uh today i was i've been catching up on all the music i didn't listen to while i was uh out of the country uh today i was listening to the new track from baby metal have you have we we talked about baby metal before i feel like i'd remember it okay it's um uh it's a japanese metal band uh that's All all it it's all it's all girls and they wear sort of like uh the Catholic schoolgirl type of 
uniform. Nice. Sing, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they sing, they had the vocals are very poppy. It's like, mm-hmm. I feel like they, what started as kind of this novelty band where it's like, let's take essentially J pop, but then put like sort of metal, you know, guitars behind it has actually evolved into them becoming, cause they write their, they're not just like, you know, figure, you know, not just like dancers or whatever. They write their own music and they've like developed their own voice and, uh, they're a really, really good band, uh, and they put out new music this week, uh, or maybe last week. Uh, at the same time, they announced one of the members is leaving, which is un- unfortunate. Mm. But uh, yeah, the new baby metal track, Starlight. Uh, I've listened. I listened to it multiple times in a row. And it sounded delightful on my new uh, on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds. Uh, you can have the same experience. These earbuds are available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. Uh, but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Bite. Tyler. Yes? Let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. It's... It's spooky time. It is <laughs> Halloween. It's horrific October. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's time for us to talk about horror movies. Indeed. Something we do uh, every year. Um, and uh, I was just saying on the on the movie journal um, a few days ago that uh, I haven't had time to watch many horror movies this um this October, I'll, but I'll probably end up doing what I do most years, which is watch a bunch of horror movies in November and December and January sure. um, to make up for it. Uh, and um, <clears throat> one of the ones that I watched last uh, last year, post October, in catching up, uh, was a movie called "Whoever Slew Auntie Rue," mm-hmm. um, which is a sort of horror retelling of modern day. No, not modern day. I think it takes place in the uh, 1920s, maybe Um, came out in the seventies, but it's a retelling of Hansel and Gretel in which Shelley Winters plays a crazy old rich lady who uh, lives, uh, lives alone, Miss Havisham style. And then um, uh, has every Christmas Eve, she has orphans, over to, 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 for a feast and she gives them all presents and two, uh, a brother and sister, uh, get a little too curious and, um, uh, they end up having to fight off this crazy lady, but it's, and I, uh, but it, it just struck me as something that is part of a, I don't even, it's not even a trend, it trend, it's, it, it maybe was a little bit of a turn at the time, but it's still ongoing. It's, it's a, it's a legacy of movies where, 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 where usually actresses, but some actors too, who maybe their star has faded, but they still have a lot of respect or whatever. They're, they find 
they find themselves headlining or appearing in horror movies, often yeah. kind of schlocky horror movies, kind of exploitative horror movies in, in some way. Uh, and I looked it up. There are multiple, there are multiple names for this thing, at least when it comes to the women, there's, uh, names that I don't like, okay. like hag exploitation yeah. and psycho bitty. I don't like that. But then there's Grandan Guignol, which is, there you go. that's what I that was like, Oh, that's perfect. Um, but I was, but, but, I was really I, realizing that I had thought about this before, that this is something that uh, has happened. I think the the first one, uh, I'm going to end up blowing my whole list here, so uh, um, I, I won't go too far. But I think the first time I really remember this uh, is 1980s, I think, The Watcher in the Woods. Yeah. Starring, not starring, but featuring Betty Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Betty Davis from the from 60 years before yeah you know uh now um playing you know uh she's she's the the name in watchman she's not the yeah. lead but she's like the the big name and as if to it, say can you guys believe that we got <laughs> betty davis yeah and i do that's i guess that's kind of what i talk about it what i want to talk about is why does this happen yeah do you think um i have my hypotheses um one of them being uh, I know. I, I think I have an industry hypothesis and I have an artistic hypothesis. Um, well, I don't think it's, yeah, uh, here's my hypothesis. Mm. And I think, I think you'll disagree with me because you and I have disagreed on the basic decency and lovability of horror fans in the past. I tend to really love horror movie fans and I feel like there's something it depends on the kind of horror. Movie yeah, I know that's yeah. what you always say. I feel like people who like horror, much like a lot of people who like, who like metal or who like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons or stuff like that. Like there's something unironic and unpretentious about them. And so just because a, uh, again, just because a star has fallen, they're like, I I feel like horror movies don't uh, horror fans and people who make horror movies, they haven't lost any, any respect. They don't, they don't care that it's not cool anymore to have, Betty Davis or Shelley Winters in your movie, they just like them and they're going to put them in the movie because they're available now and affordable now. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and they can do it. And I think, um, I think that's one of the the things that I love about this trend, not trend, but this, this fact, the fact that this keeps happening is that I think, uh, it, 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 even though the movies themselves aren't quote unquote respectable, I think this casting often comes from a place of respect. And I think, okay, so yeah, I think there is, like I said, I've got a couple different hypotheses about why this happens. Um, I do think that from an industry standpoint, it's usually actors that are past their prime they probably still work quite a bit but always but you know sort of in b movies and such and for a long time the horror was b movie material uh but also for a long time the guys that were making horror movies were big fans of of film and you know not unlike uh when Ed Wood was able to get Bella Lugosi. Yeah. Uh, who, of course, it's not as though he was new to horror or anything like that. But yeah, but I, I, I do think that uh, is part of the same tradition. Oh, yeah. In a way. Yeah. It's this idea of, of we can get this 
it will what does he even say in Ed Wood? It goes, you know, if you take that crap and put a star in it, then you have something, something <laughs> special, you know? And then Mike Starr says, yeah, crap with a star. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing. There is, there is something about the, the, the presence of these respected actors uh, that kind of legitimizes this in the minds of certain people. Um, not just the people that were probably going to like it already. Mm. I think in their minds, it's like, Hey, awesome, neat. But I do think there are people who could look at the presence of some of these older actors and they'd be like, Oh man, really? Or others are like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not full on acceptance, but it's, I'm giving it a second look now. I might not even go see the movie, but I didn't know they were in it. That's interesting. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and yeah, I don't think they enjoy it any less because the person's not at the height of their right. Thing. It's yeah. sort of like the you know, um, you know, a band has uh, maybe hit their peak or they were one hit wonder or whatever, mm-hmm. and like so now maybe you know that's a bummer for them, but now you don't have to drive in the city and pay top dollar prices to see them at the arena. They're, you know, for $15, you can see, you know, the outfield or river play the state yeah. fair. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and the people who go enjoy it, yeah. you know, um, I'm reminded you hear that by the way, oh. um, I'm sure you didn't, I don't know why you would have heard this, but, uh, Slipknot is playing the <laughs> Iowa state fair. <laughs> there are so many reasons <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have heard no. of that. Uh, that's but, uh, neat. Because they're from Iowa, they're and this is like oh, okay. this is the opposite of what I'm talking about. Because Slipknot mm-hmm. are uh, still plenty big. I mm-hmm. don't know if you know uh, that at all, but um, they're uh, but in my a, mind they're as big as they've ever been. <laughs> that's probably true, um, but I think that's nice. It's it's cool that they're doing that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's not the point. Well, and it's interesting in in my own way. Uh, I mentioned in the movie journal, I mentioned the red letter media guys in their most recent episode in which they talk about the David Gordon green Halloween. Uh, there's a special guest star, Macaulay Culkin. He shows up in their video. Oh, I thought you were saying he was in the new no, Halloween. No, he, could he, be. he shows up in their video and they shoot in they're based in Milwaukee. So that means he flew out to Milwaukee to be a part of this. Or maybe he was in Milwaukee for something. Maybe it's possible, but I have, it could have been possible to, to look and be like, like, Oh, Macaulay Culkin. Like, I know that you're not as you're not nearly as big as you used to be, but at the same time, what are you doing? Or you just kind of feel like, Oh yeah. As I like, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of repeating myself, but it's, Oh, he must be a fan of these guys. Why else would he be a part of it? I'm sure they're, maybe they're paying him. Maybe he just is doing it because he, he likes it. Max Landis also went uh, out to uh, Milwaukee to guest on one of their shows. And so, um, Tim Heidecker as well. Oh, cool. And so like they do have the occasional fan. Um, and it doesn't look like the, the person is slumming it. Yeah. It causes me to admittedly, I was already a fan of red letter, media, red letter media, but it causes me to give them a second look as, Oh wow. They, they attract a bigger audience than just me, I guess. Um, not to imply that these actors that we're talking about are doing this out of a deep love of horror or anything like that. Right. Um, by the way, real quick, I want to say, um, kudos to Macaulay Culkin for turning out. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. He really, it really could have been bad. Yeah. 
Uh, and now he seems, I mean, he still seems like a weirdo, but he seems like a weirdo who came by it honestly, not because he's fucked up. And, and he does seem to have a good perspective on how things have gone in his life. Yeah. Um, like he's kind of a, he's an eccentric weirdo, but whatever, like you grow up in the film industry. Yeah. You're going to be a weirdo. But I also like, I, I do wish that he worked more cause he was great in party monster. Mm-hmm. That know? was a long time ago now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. uh, and he was, he was on will and grace. That was also a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure that I've seen him in anything, uh, all that recently, but, um, yeah, I'd love to see him in more stuff anyway. Um, okay. So I have several examples. Now, well, yeah, the, I, I liked, um, to me, there's one that's at the top of the list. Okay. Well, uh, hold on. Okay. Cause what I was going to say is I think if we are considering Bella Lugosi, in uh, uh, in <laughs> with Ed Wood, I was using that as an example because he's still working. He's only ever worked in a horror sci-fi genre. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then, is the what is the earliest version of this? Is it the thing you're about to say, <laughs> which is whatever happened to Baby Jane? No, actually. Oh. Although that probably is the best example, um, because you've got two. Yeah, you've got like two starlets who are in this very strange uh it is a considered a horror movie right yeah and it's i mean it's not supernatural um uh it is i guess horrific yeah yeah i do i think the I, i think the definition of horror is pretty broad yeah um yeah, and I I think that that one is interesting because and I've I have actually not seen it. I have heard it's very good, at the very least interesting. Um, yeah, I'd, you've seen it, right? Yeah, it's okay. I feel like it's a little over. I'm sure it's hyped up solely because the two of them are in it. No, but I mean the movie itself is kind of um, uh, it seems a little overcooked mm-hmm. uh, at, at times, but um, it's not bad. It is okay. uh, it's indulgent. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Stands to reason. (laughs) So, yeah. So I was going to mark parameters here. So, and then we'll get to the one you were going to say. So if whatever happened to baby Jane is the, the, the Genesis, the most recent one that I can think of is just a a two years ago or so. Faye Dunaway was in the bye bye man. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I feel like that's, that's the part of the tradition, right? Faye Dunaway yeah, is exactly oh, the, the type of actress. Yeah. Oh, uh, she's an Oscar winner. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's perfect. Yes. Now. Okay. So as I was looking at this, I found, I didn't necessarily, I didn't want to necessarily zero in on people, uh, who kind of took this, this interesting turn. Um, I also tried to look at people for whom, they are rediscovered like they, 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 okay. For let's look at it this way for, I'd say an entire genre, uh, generation of movie fans. Liam Neeson is an action guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, well, kind of like to, to people, you and I, you, our age, mm-hmm. uh, Leslie Nielsen was a comic actor. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, and so along those lines, I do think that despite the, it's like 234 titles. I think for an entire generation of people, Donald Pleasant's 
career started with Halloween. Oh, that's and yeah. and his career after that he was in he was in the sequel, but he was in more horror based movies after that. Um, not exclusively. And he'd been in some horror stuff before that, but not like this. Yeah. Um, and so to me, like that was probably the first thing I saw him in, I'm guessing. Oh yeah. I mean, certainly I, I, I mean, he, he'd been Blofeld in one of the, uh, 007 movies. I hadn't seen that when I was a kid though. It's, um, that's, uh, for your eyes only. I think so. yeah. Yeah. But so for me, like he's, because that was also an independently produced movie. And it was a situation where, Hey, we have enough money to get, to have Donald Pleasance for a, a few days, but his presence is all over that movie. Um, sorry, not for your eyes only. That's Roger Moore. Oh, okay. You only, you only live twice. Okay. Sorry, yes. There are two bond movies of the world only in the title. Mm. <laughs> and I always get them mixed up. Are you talking about only pussy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, that was better. Yeah. That's. I, I was gonna try and do another one. It was like, no, like, I can't think. Like, tomorrow only dies is not as funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, I like it though. <laughs> uh, Casino know. only Royale. <laughs> so but, yes, you only live twice is the one where Donald okay. wasn't. It clearly wasn't the Roger Moore one. I'm not. Right. I'm not an idiot. I just. <laughs> sorry. Um. But yeah, I to me that's like the first place my mind goes because he was this respectable actor who had, who'd been in like a hundred, like almost 200 movies by that time. Uh, and then he's in this and the movie's a big hit. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, it's not like there was a big gap either. He was in stuff well through, you know, throughout the seventies, but I'm sure there, and I'm sure there are, there are people for whom that's the only movie he's been in, <laughs> you know? Sure. Um, and I don't mean to say that in a derogatory way, but just like his career got a boost. Uh, sorry, not a boost. He was doing fine. Yeah. It just took a complete left turn after right, that. Right. Um, and I would say somebody like an, an Anthony Hopkins, he did, he wasn't only in horror after silence of the lambs, but he'd been in, I mean, he was in lion and winter. He was an elephant man. Like he'd yeah. been in a bunch of stuff and then he plays Hannibal Lecter and he wins an Oscar for it. Yeah. And suddenly well, you wasn't see he him in, in magic before he was in magic. That's true. When he was, when he was young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I never saw that one, but that's the thing uh, is like he was in that and then he just went back to being Anthony Hopkins, classically yeah. trained stage actor, uh, who acts in movies, but like with silence of lambs. Yeah. He went on to play Nixon. He was in Amistad and all that kind of thing, but they also cast him in these very, uh, loquacious characters who were menacing. If it wasn't horror, it would be suspense. And then he would play Lecter twice more. Uh, and then, but he was in, you know, was it no fracture? Is that what it is? Fracture. Yeah. And just stuff like that. And the right. And then he was in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, when they, when they remade the Wolfman, he was, he played the Claude Rains character. Sure. Yeah. Um, so his career certainly as he was older, cause I think he was in his, into his sixties, uh, maybe late fifties by the time he played Lecter. Um, so I think it's safe to say that he, uh, in his, what are we considering old? I guess that's the other question. That's a good question. Yeah. Because, um, I had, uh, yeah, I thought of the same thing because, um, Vincent price had like a 20 year acting career before mm-hmm. house of wax and house on house on hundred hill. Yeah. Uh, which were like kind of, they were only a couple years apart and then 
Vincent Price is just horror guy from from then on. From then on, um, yeah. and for not not like not quite as long, and he wasn't quite as well known. But even like Christopher Lee sure. did non horror movies for a while, and then Curse of Frankenstein is fifty seven, and then yeah, that's all he did. <laughs> that's all she wrote, <laughs> and, and that's great. Uh, and that reminds me of. Um, one of the great movies for older male actors showing up in horror movies is the house that dripped blood, which has, it has the aforementioned Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. It also has, um, Denham Elliott. Oh, all right. And it has, um, Oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Joss Ackland. Hey, all right. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like there's something, someone else that I'm, uh, Oh yeah. There's one of the, one of the doctors from doctor who I can't mm-hmm. remember his name. Cause I don't know doctor who very well. Uh, but that seems like it seemed like kind of a, a a gathering of some guys like um obviously Christopher Lee is no was not new to horror by the early 70s even Peter Cushing had done horror before that too but it, uh, it that, that that movie seems to be a part of what I'm talking about from the male movie, right. which doesn't have a clever name like Grand Dame Guignol but uh yeah. um it's just old guys working yeah but you know what the I no, I've never seen this movie okay um, it's from the eighties. It is from 1981 and, uh, a, a horror movie called ghost story. Okay. Which I can st- picture the VHS cover. Yeah. It stars Fred Astaire, John Hausman, right. Douglas, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. Patricia Neal. It's like, uh, it's a who's who. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, people. And this is 1980. Like, people, all those people were past the prime that we know them yeah. from. You know, these are those are actors from the 30s and, and 40s. Um, uh, and I'll admit the way that I, the way that I heard about this movie, uh, Ghost Story, because I don't remember from the VHS store uh, a few years ago on uh, the Best Show, which is a podcast that mm. I love and reference all, all, all the time. There was a one of the funny comedy characters that called in was insisting that that movie was one of those movies like poltergeist that's cursed because everyone in it is dead now. (laughs) (laughs) That's fun. Uh, Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see that. Uh, I don't know if it's any good, but, um, it would certainly be interesting. It's, it's basically like a horror, uh, that's entertainment. Um, (laughs) yeah. And then, um, the other one is kind of like House of Drip Blood, but this one I haven't seen uh, is House of the Long Shadow, House of the Long Shadows, plural, which has the it has Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, uh, but it also has Vincent Price, Desi Arnaz Jr., John Carradine. Uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be good or not, but I've uh, definitely heard about it. Yeah, and it's uh, and then you get stuff along those lines of like those those classical like British actors. You get someone like James Mason showing up in Salem's Lot. Oh, uh, right. yeah. But again, it goes and, back to this yeah. idea of like, what are we counting as? Gregory as Peck older. and the Omen. Gregory Peck and the Omen is a big one. Yeah. Um, and then uh, <laughs> I wrote. Uh, Max von Sydow in The Exorcist, and then I was like, I don't actually know how old he was in that. He looked old, but yeah. I don't think he was actually that old, considering that he's still around now and looks like he hasn't aged really. I think he looks pretty old now. He I looks, I suppose I, so, but I like just he saw looks. Him, I didn't see him. I saw him in a movie at TIFF, the uh, submarine movie Kursk. Okay, um, uh, where he has some one-on-one scenes with Colin Firth. 
Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, powerhouse. There. Yeah. Um, he definitely seems old. Okay. Uh, and that's the thing is just, I think he was, I think it was fairly effective old. What, my, what I mean so, to say is that he seemed old in the exorcist. So I think yeah. the old age makeup, he was probably only in his forties or fifties. Okay. If that, um, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause what, what year is the exorcist? 73. Okay. Yeah. Cause he was in the emigrants in the new land right before that and he's yeah, yeah. not not doesn't seem particularly so yeah old. so i don't yeah. i i don't think i will count that as an example of like someone f- finding horror in his older years um i will mention uh a couple guys here who uh recently passed away uh scott wilson the great scott wilson um, was in behind the mask uh-huh. and then he was on a few seasons of the walking dead um and he was in the host um, he's in the host. He's the American doctor at the very beginning who forces the uh, Korean. That's uh, right. The Korean doctor to flush the toxins, which is what creates the monster. He's, oh, I forgot all he's about in that. The, the opening, the opening scene, and that's it. And he's nice. terrific. Uh, yeah, and then I know who you're going to say next, and I'm legitimately like broken up about this guy's death because he's one of my favorite character actors yeah uh, and he's been around forever he's 94 years old 94 james karen yeah who um we is, had just talked about somewhat recently he was in return of the living dead and return of the living dead part two um he's in both of them as different characters because he definitely <laughs> is not playing the same character because i said this on twitter and i feel like people think that i'm joking but james karen's death scene in the first return of the living dead is a contender for my favorite death scene in the history of movies. Oh, wow. Um, I, do you know? No, I, I almost don't want to spoil it, but I don't know if I should say, uh, will your description actually ruin the tone of it? Uh, no, it, what he does, he's, he knows he's turning into a zombie and they're at, because the takes place in a graveyard and they're hiding mm-hmm. in the, um, the, the like crematorium. Mm-hmm. And so he turns on the oven and he cremates himself alive to keep himself from turning into a zombie. Wow. It's crazy. And he, that's one of the things about James Karen is that he could often play, you know, very menacing, like gravitas type of characters. Yeah. But in the return of living dead movies, he's, he is going for broke. He's yeah. playing to the, the back row, bouncing off the walls and with, you know, with no self consciousness, yeah. uh, at all. Um, and I like, I had always liked James Karen, just because he's one of those character actors that shows up and you're like, okay, this is going to be, yeah. this is going to be a solid scene right here. Yeah. And then when I, and then I watched the two return of the living dead movies and I was like, this guy is fucking incredible. Yeah. Like, the, the fact that he had that much, uh, commitment, but also I, I don't know. I don't even know if he really counts for this because I feel like he didn't start acting until late. And I, I guess like where Scott Wilson was a young actor. He's in, um, he of the night. Right? Yeah. And he's in, um, in cold blood as well. Uh, oh, right. Um, and then James Karen was also in poltergeist. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. You move the gravestones, but you left the bodies. Uh, that's what Craig T. Nelson says to him. Yes. Uh, and he's also in another movie that I watched recently. Um, uh, another horror movie called the unborn, um, which is also another uh, nutso movie where he plays a uh, uh, experimental uh, obstetrician who it turns out is um, dabbling in eugenics to raise an army of superhuman babies. <laughs> 
that uh, the unborn is such a great movie. Karen, uh, um, is it Karen Allen or am I getting it confused? Uh, I think it's Karen Allen is the, the lead. Okay. Uh, yeah. What was it called again? Uh, the unborn, the unborn. It's really, really great. So looking at his filmography. Yeah. Um, he definitely had acted, um, before this and, and had acted as far back as like 1948, but then he was, then it was 51, 56, 62, 64. So like he, he hadn't been acting that long before poltergeist. Um, sorry, it's not Karen Allen. It's Brooke Adams who has a very Karen Allen type of (laughs) (laughs) Brooke Adams is the girlfriend from the dead zone. Uh, and, also from the seventies invasion of the body snatchers. Oh yes. Okay. Got it. She's a Karen Allen type. Uh, that right? is a very, that's a, <laughs> that's an almost off putting. Uh, I'm now suspicious of something. Um, speaking of scientific experiments. Uh, so, and actually as I was looking, as I was looking through, uh, James Karen's filmography, I see that he was in a show in 1964 called the defenders and looking at it here, I see, E.G. Marshall, who was in that, uh, I feel like I've referenced it a lot in the last couple of months. Uh, he was in one of the stories of Creep Show. Oh, where yeah, he's yeah, this, yeah. It's, yeah. He's this older guy who uh, winds up dead with a, a, a body full of roaches that just yeah. crawl out of his corpse. It's very disturbing. Um, okay, so I was wrong. James Karen did, has, did, has, Credits going back into his his twenties in the in the forties when yeah. he was in his twenties, but not that much. It's not as though he he did a bunch of stuff in the forties. He did one thing and he did a few things in the sixties, and then the seventies really seems to be where he yeah. uh, started. So considering that he just died in ninety four, I guess he did act. He did start later ish in life. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, rest in peace, James Karen. I uh, was. The I think maybe because I had just watched within the last year or so both Return of the Living Deads or the first two Return of the Living Deads and The Unborn, uh, uh, James Cameron was fresh in my memory and it was very sad to see him go. Yeah. And yeah, I've been a Scott Wilson fan um, for a, for a long time. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what I would have first thought of him. I think from. I first saw him in Pure Luck. <laughs> I saw Pure Luck. I can't say it stuck with me enough for me yeah. to remember uh, his performance there. And so it's it's so interesting how one thing can lead to another, to another, to another. Because then looking at looking at uh, E.G. Marshall, I ran across something with William Hickey, and William Hickey was in uh, you know a bunch of. I mean, he'd been around for a long time, and then in the eighties and into the nineties, he started acting in. He was in Tales from the Dark Side. He was on an episode of, I think, I think it was uh, The Outer Limits, a particularly good episode of The Outer Limits. Uh, he was in a, an episode of Tales from the Crypt uh, in the 90s. So like as he and he was when he got old, he was undeniably old. Yeah. Um, and so. Uh, so, yeah, he's another another example. Um, so I have a few others, but I, I also had a had a subset to talk about but uh let me run a couple past because I'm, I'm pretty much at the end of my list one okay. um i don't know if you'd count it uh, but um ernest borgnine and willard oh sure okay absolutely yeah. um and then i was trying to think of you know i said faye dunaway in the bye bye man but i feel like jessica lang in the american horror story series yeah. maybe is uh 
is is a part of that tradition. But wasn't she? She was in a movie that I guess is more suspense or whatever called Hush. I never saw Hush, and it's a it's a ridiculous over the top performance. Not, um, there was a movie called Hush in the past couple of years, right? Yeah, but it wasn't that one. Okay, it was before that. Um, where I think she's, if I recall correctly, she's the obsessive and. Uh, and possessive mother of like this son who has just started dating this woman and Jessica Lange is starts terrorizing this woman. Um, and I think that was in the nineties, maybe early two thousands, but, uh, but yeah, but again, that's, there's always, there's a fine line between suspense and horror, but I think that fell more on the thriller side yeah. as opposed to from what I, I've not seen a single episode, a single minute of American horror story. I hear it's, interesting and i think i'd probably enjoy it or at least some seasons instead of others but uh i mean i only watched a couple of seasons but it just seems like uh i don't know it it feels more like riffing than it is than storytelling sure like here's the basic premise and then every episode is going to have three or four completely crazy ideas (laughs) and the 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 scenes in between them are just links to get to the next crazy idea it doesn't and and they never end in any sort of, uh, with any sort of, uh, cohesion as opposed to something like Hannibal, which is just such a, which mm-hmm. features a lot of crazy ideas and horrific imagery and that sort of thing. But it seems so planned out very meticulously. Um, okay. What else you got? Uh, the last one I was going to say, this is one where I am only, f- I'm familiar with the actor. I've never seen any of his late year horror stuff. Okay. Um, and I don't know that you have either, uh, but I think we're both fans of the actor Basil Rathbone. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Uh, but his, like the last movies he made were queen of blood, the ghost in the invisible bikini, which is more of a comedy, I guess. Hillbillies in a haunted house, autopsy, a Dune phantasma. Like he, Basil Rathbone ended his career in, in the mid to late sixties making horror movies. Is this, I mean, but that's not at all uncommon. Like, so that's now two Sherlock Holmeses that uh-huh. would go on to be in horror movies in their later years. Like, oh, is this just tales of terror in 62? Is this Comedy just a terrors. thing for older, for older British actors, especially? Oh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems to be my, my thesis here. <laughs> so this is, uh, a, a longstanding tradition that we should, we should keep up. And I would say, you know, um, I feel like because of Mad Love and M, I feel like Peter Laurie, who would go on to be in some of those like Edgar Allan Poe, mm-hmm. Roger Corman things in his sixties. Yeah. Um, not that he lived long into his sixties, but, um, you know, he was in the Raven and such. Um, but, but I think because he was young, when he was younger, he kind of cut his teeth on a certain type of horror. Um, yeah. I, th- I don't think he necessarily counts here. Um, in fact, if anything, I'm surprised he wasn't in more horror, uh, in between, but, um, okay. So I've got, yeah. What's your subset? Well, hang on before okay. I get to that. Uh, I'd say Stephen Lang for don't breathe. Oh, okay. um, I mean, he was in Manhunter, but not in a, not, that's not necessarily horror. It's horrific. Um, yeah. and his, and his character's like a villain and he's a supporting role and that kind of thing. Uh, and he'd been villains in things like avatar. Um, but I feel like the, I like don't breathe a lot. I think, but I think there's a lot of 
a horror schlock to it as well yeah. uh, that he and but I think he injects some respectability to the proceedings in his performance. Yeah. And his character is required to do some pretty crazy things too. Uh, but he manages to like, again, the, the director, was it Fetty Alvarez? Oh, is that it? Okay. Um, you know, he'd done stuff before and the, the young cast had done stuff before, but like they bring in this veteran mm-hmm. actor to play this old crusty evil guy. And I feel like it, it kind of fits. I think it fits with what we're talking about. And I don't think of him in those, in roles like that and movies like that previously. Um, and even it's even like Manhunter was directed by Michael Mann, who would be this prestige, uh, filmmaker. But, um, so then I also had young, okay. Younger actors who became horror icons and then just went and did other things and then returned to their characters. Okay. Like Jamie Lee Curtis, Jamie Lee Curtis, Anthony Perkins, okay. um, who, you know, was in psycho in 60 and then psycho two was like 1982 or three. And so he'd been in a, a plenty of stuff in between. Uh, I think maybe for me, most notably murder on the Orient express in 74. But, um, but yeah, he came back to Norman Bates and then they did like psycho two, three and four in between 82 and like 91. So he was clearly fine with being back in this role. Um, but I, but I'm not sure if he, I mean, it counts, but at the same time, I don't know if he came back to horror so much as he came back to Norman Bates and he just wanted to play that character. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, well, that reminds me of, uh, but Jamie Lee Curtis, like she didn't need Laurie Strode. Like she, Uh Yeah. Like she moved on to other things and could still be doing other things. But the horror community will always welcome these people back. That's what yeah. I, uh, but here's, here's an example of something, someone who never really left horror, uh, and is now getting to the age. Um, she's, uh, probably in her, uh, early, late fifties, early sixties by now. Barbara Crampton. Okay. Is someone who was sort of like a screen queen when she was mm. younger in when she was like in her in her 20s in in the 80s um and as an she's sort of remained in horror and this is again me uh toasting horror fans for uh and the horror industry for so many women who played you know sex pot type roles right don't get to you know hollywood doesn't let them hang around you yeah. know um uh even not not even sex but I mean, any so many women um you know rosanna arquette made a whole documentary about it called certificate yeah. deborah winger uh it's really good so many women seem to un- unfairly age out uh whereas barbara crampton is now isn't has has made has gone from being scream queen to being grand dame of, of horror. And I feel like horror and horror fans have been there for her the, the whole time. And yeah. she's great, by the way, I love, yeah. uh, Barbara Crampton in, you know, yeah. The fact that she's the mom in your next, yeah. you know, when she would have been the, the, the teen, maybe not the teen, but the, yeah. the, the younger person in the earlier generation. Uh, I love it. Um, and along those lines, I feel like someone like Kathy Bates, who relatively early in her career was in misery, won an Oscar for that. Uh, and then she had been, then she was in stuff like Dolores Claiborne, like another Stephen King type thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
and then you know primary colors and about schmidt and all that all that kind of thing and now the the big thing she is in is american horror story right, yeah um i did also want to briefly mention uh this this does not fall into the category we're talking about now but um helen mirren was in winchester this year um oh, right. and i don't know i mean I'm trying to think like, I mean, I saw, you know, I saw the cook, the thief, his wife and her lover. She's in that. She's fairly young in that. Um, but I'm not super familiar with her early career. I don't know of a lot. I, she was in prime suspect and stuff. Um, I don't know if she did a lot of horror, really any horror, but for her to be in something like Winchester, like, so in the, in the film marketing class that I took, uh, that was taught by like the head of CBS films, um, they were doing Winchester. And so she talked about all about like, that Helen Mirren, the the woman said, she goes, look, we all knew it wasn't a good movie, but we don't, we're not looking to make a lot of money either. And Helen Mirren clearly was just having a whole lot of fun. And so she was all in on every bit of marketing. Like she really, anything that the film needed from her, like she'd be more than happy to be a part of it. Like she really was excited to do it. And That's I do great. wonder if maybe that is part, like you're talking about with James Karen, if that is some of the appeal is, you know, I've had to be subtle and restrained my whole <laughs> right, yeah. acting career, oh, and, na- and now's my chance to really, you know, cut loose. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know anyone who saw Winchester. <laughs> Neither did I, but apparently it made its money. Oh, good. Because it was one of those things, like, the film, like, the film came out about five weeks into class, so we got... They let us, she let us know, okay, here's what we're anticipating, that kind of thing from a marketing standpoint. You know, it's like a great class every time you talk about it. It was a really marvelous class. And it reminded me more so than really, it, it probably wasn't my favorite class at UCLA, but it reminded me of a Columbia class because that was taught Columbia by Columbia College, Chicago. Yes, that's not the Columbia one. University. Yeah, who gives a shit about that? <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, Columbia College Chicago, like that was taught often by people that had worked in some capacity in the industry. Mm-hmm. And so her being able to talk about very specifically what was happening right at this moment and bringing in guests and stuff, it was really fascinating. Um, and this movie that just came out, Hellfest, like yeah. I think it came and went, but they were putting that out as well. And she called in like one of the guys responsible for the advertising campaign for it. And so he showed like 30 different potential posters including the one that they wound up using and he's like okay these are what we've narrowed it down to from a much larger number yeah which who likes what um i think i mentioned before uh 10 years ago i was in uh a um what do you call it It was a a temp at mgm studios Mm -hmm. uh in the records and archives department and I don't know if you remember a little horror thriller that came and went. I think it started my love into Amelia called pathology. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we were going through just the records and then we had to like box stuff up and it to chipping and it, it astounded me how many posters they mock up mm-hmm. for stuff. And some of the posters that they were unused for pathology were so cool. Yeah. And it, and, I, and it, it it made me sad that stuff gets market tested to the point of lifelessness mm-hmm. to where it's like, oh, no, you got to have the star's face. Or you got to like and you take like you've got these, you know, I've seen it happen in other uh, in, in, in other parts of the industry that I can't really talk about because I don't talk about my job now. But 
you, you, you get this outside group of creative people and you say, mock us up a thing mm-hmm. and they come up with a few ideas and they go, they go for broke. They exercise their creative juices yeah. and have come up with awesome stuff. And then it usually ends up getting watered down to the, the client just wanting the most basic yeah. version. Uh, and it, it was, yeah, I still, I've still never seen pathology, but I, I remember someday I, though. Yeah. I wish I could have kept some of these really, really cool posters. Yeah. Oh, there, I mean, some of the posters for Hellfest, uh, one of them, like I loved, uh, and, and, and it was one of those things I was like, they'd be dumb not to use that one. And they, that's not the one they used. Uh, the one they use is, is fine, but it's yeah. not the one that I thought would work best. Um, and then, the, and then they also talked about, you know, names on, on a poster and that's, you know, it has to do with like what has been negotiated. But when you have like a two hander and it can, it can be argued that neither one of them is more important than the other, uh-huh. then what you do is you have, because we read top to bottom, left to right. Uh-huh. Okay. So what you do is if you have them on the same level, the one on the left is the one we're going to see as being more important. So if you have them on the same level, the one on there's the one on the left and then the one on the right is raised above uh-huh. the one on the left. And it's one of those things that like, we won't see that person as above the person on the left because we read left to right, but we certainly won't see the person on the left as being like, it's a way it uses the way we read That's awesome. to like, uh, make, agents and managers happy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, isn't that fascinating? Yeah. So anyway, but, uh, um, yeah, that reminds we should wrap up, yeah. I don't have, but, uh, that reminds me of the, I, I don't know if this is apocryphal or not, but the, uh, but I think I've told this story before about the, the origin of someone like a, a particularly notable actor in a movie who has a smaller part of the movie getting the and credit yeah. that the, apparent origin of that was the movie, the longest day, hmm. which the director in the studio wanted because it was, it's, they wanted it to be a true ensemble. They were just, yeah. we're just going to list the cast alphabetically. And John Wayne wanted to stand out cause he's John Wayne yeah. and he was being named Wayne. He was at the end of the list anyway. Yeah. And so they, that's how they came up with the and John Wayne yeah. to make basically to make John Wayne happy. I don't know if that's true. That the true origin of the and thing, but I like it as a story. I remember, uh, you know, that movie, the general's daughter. Uh huh. Okay. So I remember the, uh, beyond, I think John Travolta and Madeline Stowe, Madeline Stowe, uh, the rest of the cast was listed alphabetically and I think it said like with Clarence Williams, the third and James Woods. And I was like, wait a second, what's going on here? <laughs> They're just the last ones. <laughs> it just seemed like, I feel like someone is being placated here yeah, yeah. Uh, without any real concession being made. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but yeah, so uh, hopefully everybody has a, a good and safe and spooky Halloween. Yeah. As you go and watch these scary movies with older actors who are probably having the time of their lives. Yeah, definitely watch return of the living dead one and two. Um, I don't actually think they're great movies, Yeah, but, uh, and watch the unborn, uh, and then watch, uh, uh, what did we say for Scott Wilson? The host behind the mask behind beyond. Yeah. Behind the mask. Yeah. 
yeah dedicate your halloween to uh to late great character actors indeed uh, so you can find us at battleshipretention.com. That's where you can find all, all sorts of uh, movie reviews and other podcasts and other uh, other other thoughts and odds and ends at battleshipretention.com. You can follow us or you can email us. I, I usually say that one next at david at battleshipretension.com or tyler at battleshipretension.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at Davey Pretension. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. Uh, you have another podcast called More Than One Lesson. Yeah, unfortunately, we weren't able to do any uh, do an episode this week. So this is the the first Halloween times where we only had two episodes instead of the usual four. Oh. Um, but uh, last week we did talk about Alex Garland's Annihilation, um, which not to it, be confused with Avengers Annihilation, which is coming out in twenty nineteen, or Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which. I'll I'll say this. I got those confused for like 25 minutes and I was just like, I don't understand. When is Natalie Portman going to start fighting? Um, but uh, but there was that scene where Oscar Isaac says, get over here. And um, sure. but uh, but I did actually want to mention that uh, we do have an Instagram account that I keep updated sure as much as I can when I think of it. Thanks. For doing uh, that. But yeah, so so you can check us out on Instagram as well. All right. We also have a Snapchat, but I don't think anyone uses Snapchat anymore. Oh, yeah. I haven't heard the word in a while. I think, do you know what actually, okay. I don't know if this is true. It's like the longest day thing, but basically Snapchat, uh, redesigned their platform. Okay. And one of the Jenners like Kylie or Kender or what I, uh, Kendall, <laughs> I don't know. One of the Jenners. Yeah hated it and was very public about how much she hated it and is such a powerful person wow. in social media that basically she just stopped using Snapchat and everyone's not stopped using Snapchat. <laughs> you pissed off one person uh, yeah. with a site redesign or somebody who is unfortunately very influential, but probably uh, yeah. maybe partially because of Snapchat. Yeah. I don't know. Is it unfortunate? I don't know. I don't have an opinion on her. It's, it's more just, uh, there are people who are famous. I don't, I don't have a problem. I'm sure she's a perfectly fine person. It's more just probably not actually, but yeah, yeah I'm trying to be magnanimous. <laughs> um, I just not, not trying to be mean. I'm just saying if you, you grow up in that much of a privileged sheltered bubble, you probably don't have a lot of empathy. Probably not. You never yeah. know. You yeah, never know. Yeah. You never know. Um, but uh, there, are, there are Macaulay Culkins out there uh, proving us wrong. I was going to say Bruce Wayne, then I realized he doesn't actually exist. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, it's more just the idea that like I feel like such an old man. Uh-huh. The idea of like famous for being famous, uh-huh. you know, um, and famous for not even really having opinions and expressing them well you know, or anything like that. Like there are podcasters that we like, uh, and radio personalities that all all they do is express their opinion, but they have a way of expressing themselves that is entertaining or thought provoking or whatever. And maybe she's tremendously that, but somehow I get the feeling she's not. I feel like it's like, I, I I also don't know because I never watched it, but it's like the Royal family or something. Like she was just born into this thing and she has duties to do. Yeah. Uh, and I guess, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it, I try to be understanding. Cause I also think it, that, um, it kind of sounds awful being like, I oh, guess sure. No question. She's rich and that's great. But, yeah. um, being under that much attention 
um, sounds uh, actually terrible to me, uh, to be honest. Yes, that would be uh, very exhausting. I remember I was I was on Ventura Boulevard one time and uh, I saw like a rush of people like gathered around uh, just a store, mm-hmm. and it was one of the. Uh, Kardashians and I don't know which one, but yeah. everyone's like, Oh, it's so-and-so. It's so-and-so. And I was just like, I, I'm sure she just wants to go buy something uh-huh. and that's it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny. I mean, we should, I know we're supposed to be wrapping up, but, um, I hate to, you know, I don't want to be one of those people like, cause I hate when people are dismissive or, or, or say derogatory things about the Valley, but right. I, I work in Beverly Hills and, that doesn't happen in Beverly Hills. Like, right. I mean, I'm not saying there's paparazzi in Beverly Hills, yeah. but you're not going to like a good, a good amount of this crowd was paparazzi, okay. but, but yeah. yes, there are also just people in general who my guess they saw the paparazzi and thought there must be someone in there. Yeah. 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 You're less likely to get gawkers, but you're also probably less likely to see celebrities in Beverly Hills on the weekends, which I I like, like I said, I work at Beverly Hills. I don't usually have to go on the weekends. Mm. I try to avoid it if I can, because the Rodeo drive is insane. Yeah. Like to try and get into the parking garage in my building on a Saturday afternoon, it adds 20 minutes because there's, it's just clogged with people. Yeah. So I'm sure. Yeah. If Reese Witherspoon walked down Rodeo drive on a Saturday afternoon, yeah, she'd probably get mobbed, but on a Tuesday morning, uh, yeah, that's true. She's probably okay. But. All right. Well, good for her. <laughs> that's the point you're making, uh, right? Well, I, I mentioned Reese Reese with this one in particular because I had a coworker who once um, was walking to the sidewalk and he got back like to work and he was like, uh, "I was I was just walking." toward work and Reese Witherspoon was walking on the sidewalk in front of me. And then like later that day he checked like a gossip blog and saw like himself blurry in, <laughs> like in the background of a paparazzi shot of Reese Witherspoon. I had had a situation when I was uh, interning for uh, larger than life films, which is Gary Ross's company. Uh-huh. Um, I was interning and then uh, there was a day when Toby Maguire came in uh, and he was like all decked out in like uh, bicycling uh, uh-huh. attire and then uh, Gary walked out of his office and he also had it so I was like okay so they're going to go on a bike ride together and yeah sure enough uh, like I saw an image I, it was, I, I don't know if I was like I wasn't watching TMV, TMZ I don't watch TMZ but uh-huh. in some capacity I, it might have been on a magazine I think it was on TV but anyway I saw like Oh, Tobey Maguire, like all, uh, you know, in, in skin tight, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I was just like, Hey, I saw him like right before the, Oh, he's just trying to have a bike ride with his buddy. Uh, but yeah, I don't, uh, I, I don't know Tobey Maguire. I don't feel bad for him. Uh, <laughs> I know you don't. Well, ever, ever since I learned that, uh, the Michael Sarah character in Molly's game is based mm-hmm. on Tobey Maguire. Oh yeah. Uh, sounds like a fucking sociopathic guy. <laughs> It, man, it's and it's so fascinating when you think of the his like movie image, right, like yeah. as just this soft spoken, like the nicest guy in the world. You know, when you think of him in like the Ice Storm, <laughs> or I mean, and even even Spider Man, but Ice Storm, Pleasantville, and that that could, I don't know. I guess maybe you know, I guess a sociopath is good at. Uh, I guess they can fake sure, it. Yeah, maybe that's why he's uh, such a good actor, and I do think he's a good actor. Uh, okay, I we can I was move on. Say something else about paparazzi or something, but oh well, can't think of it. They're doing right. God's work. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. 
This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.